up to Minister. Fantastic. Good morning, church. How are we? Who was here last night? Anybody here last night here this morning? We had uh, such a powerful, powerful time last night and uh, we went for it. I thought, you know, there's no, no point preaching half-heartedly if we're trying to get people saved. And so my voice is a little thrashed this morning, but uh, we just believe God that it's going to be fine. Praise God. Well, uh, it is just such a joy to be in this great church uh, with uh, Pastors Mike and Joy Connell, who are just two of this nation's finest ministers and finest people. And uh, just, just, you know, beautiful, beautiful people. And uh, they always, you know, look after me so well and are always so generous in their, their words. I uh, had the privilege of being in their home last night and sharing a meal there. It was Jeremy's birthday coming up and and, uh, and it was just, that was just so neat, just uh, watching them, you know, the same as they are in church is the same as they are in home. Beautiful, godly, loving, kind people. And uh, it's such a fantastic thing to have great pastors like that. How many people know that uh, what New Zealand, what Australia, what the world needs is more, more ministers, more pastors that are the same in church, the same at home. And, uh, and you've got exactly that here, so it is, uh, it is fantastic. It's been great being with uh, uh, Dave and Katie, who uh, have just done a fantastic job. We've had youth leaders meeting from all over, all over the uh, Hawke's Bay area, came yesterday and did some training in there, and, and uh, we did a breakfast yesterday morning, I think, as well. And, uh, and then the rally last night was just awesome, seeing all those people get saved. So it's fantastic. Great to be here. Really quickly, I just want to tell you about a couple of things I've, I've got left. Is um, I've only got two of these left. And uh, there was one gentleman that asked me for one of these. And uh, so I'm going to give it away this morning. This is a book called Walk on Water. And uh, that was you, sir. And you can have that one. God bless you. You're welcome. <laughs> In fact, I may as well give the other one away. Um, who, who else? There was someone else who was asking for this one, Walk on, on Water, and, uh, and there were no more left, and we we're going to do orders or something like that. Who, who, who wants this one? Over there. Oh. Come on, sir, I'll give you this one. So I'm sorry now that there's no more of these left. Fantastic. There you are. Your name's Peter, so it's relevant. There you go. I like that. Peter the Walker Water, Water Walker. And this is my brand new book called God in Hollywood that's got one blank page. <laughs> Only one in the whole book. But Pastor Mike Connell happens to open it to that one blank page. I'm trying to flick through it now and find where on earth that, that stinking blank page is. I can't find it, but... God bless you, Pastor. There it is. Oh, there it is. Right, right at the end, right at the back. There's a blank page at the back. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Oh, it's not at the back. It's the end of a chapter. And, uh, but uh, it's, it's a great book just on how God is speaking through, uh, through Hollywood. And uh, that one's available out there as well. But if you've got your Bibles this morning, I'd love it if you turn to uh, the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 15. What incredible praise and worship this morning. Didn't Katie Connell do a fantastic job with the great team up there? Man alive. I've got to tell you something. I reckon this is the best kept secret in the Bay. I'm surprised with how fantastic your building looks. The new cafe going up in there. Last time I was here, I saw your awesome kids program. I mean, I was standing there. If Katie wasn't worship leading that good, I reckon I would have snuck out there and started playing on, the, on the, all the equipment out there. You got the best kids program in the area, probably in the nation. Beautiful building, beautiful people. It's a wonder that there's not 10,000 people in here jamming, quarreling in the car park over car spaces, praise God, <laughs> trying to get in, fighting over seats. Beautiful young people. Such a great servant heart in the house. It's awesome. And, uh, and Pastor Mike Connell, you know, just watching him when he gets up on stage, 
He's like a young'un. I'm looking at him, he's jumping and dancing and clapping and cheering and all the body movements going. I'm thinking, my Lord. I did my Achilles last year trying to do something like that, but he's so sprightly. Incredible. You know, for, for a man that's 42, I've got to tell you, that is, that is really quite something. Fantastic. How many people know that God's a good God? I got, uh, I got some, uh, just a great message this morning. Good news. The word gospel means good news. You know, there's enough churches preaching doom and gloom and fire and brimstone and damnation and everything else. God said, not for you, son. Not for you. I'm kind of, sometimes I feel like the Anakin, the man who's meant to bring balance to the force, but it was Luke that does it, so I'm more Luke. Because Anakin, Anakin goes the wrong way. Anyway, Matthew chapter 15, are you all there? This morning I want to speak to you about a life that you so desire. A life that you so desire. How many people here have dreams, goals, aspirations, desires? It's really important. See, the Bible says in Psalm 37 verse 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires. Everyone say desires. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God is a God that works through desire. You have a capacity to desire that was put in there by God. Now we know that the enemy comes in and he tries to tap into those desires. He tries to channel those desires or he tries to shut down those desires by telling you that all desire is evil. There was a time in the Middle Ages where uh, the church taught that desire was evil, that desire was of the flesh, that desire was an evil thing. In fact, uh, the, the, the tragedy of Buddha Buddhism is Buddhism teaches that to to uh, to reach um, uh, your your ultimate goal of, of nothingness, uh, you need to put away desire. It, the, the reason that we have this endless cycle of birth and rebirth is because of desire, and desire is in in Buddhist theology what is evil, and you need to get rid of desire. And so, if you're a really good Buddhist, then you have a real desire to get rid of desire. So you just messed up. That's why it doesn't work. But you need to understand God is a God that says if you delight yourself in Him, He will give you the desires of your heart. I love serving Jesus Christ. I love following God. God is a good God. Every time Israel came back to God, they would begin to sing triumphantly and it was one generation after another after another. One song was, was synonymous with every generation of Israel and it was this song, The Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. God is a good God and I've got good news this morning. But uh, this morning I want to show you some things, just some obstacles and some stuff that gets in the way. Because how many people know that stuff gets in the way? You know, we live in a fallen world, so it's not all, you know, kind of roses and sweet music and candlelight dinners. Every now and again, there's some storms that come. Every now and again, there's some difficulties that come. And uh, this morning, I want to show, give you three keys on how you can access a life that you so desire. I'm married to the most beautiful woman on planet Earth. I have some of the most fantastic friends. I get to preach in some of the greatest churches. I have an awesome senior minister, Pastor Phil Pringle and Christine Pringle. Uh, I have three gorgeous kids who are just about to go and plant a, a church in a fantastic city. I mean, of all the cities of the world that God could have called me to, he called me to San Diego, California. Stay classy, San Diego. And uh, of all the places that he could have called me, he called me there. And uh, we're just so excited. And I don't know how it's going to work at the moment. There's seven of us that are going. Praise God. So I know I've got at least seven people that are going to be there on that first Sunday, uh, I hope. And 
you know, and so we don't know how it's all going, but it's, it's all part of the journey, all part of the adventure. And I've just found that when you, when you walk out, when you step out with God and just trust God for the adventure, the adventure unfolds and the Lord does fantastic things. And you end up having this whole journal, this scrapbook of just one miracle after another, one testimony after another, one great victory after another, and, uh, and you know, one awesome thing that the Lord has done after another. So if you've got your Bibles, Matthew 15, verse 21. It's a powerful piece of scripture and it goes like this. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. Everyone say severely. My daughter is severely demon possessed. But he answered her, not a word. And his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and gives life. Father, we thank you right now that each and every heart, Lord, is fertile soil to receive your word this morning. Father God, that each and every life, he would experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. Father, we ask that you bless this word, anoint your servant as he ministers this morning in the name of Jesus. And everybody said... Amen. Fantastic. Well, I want to give you three great keys on how you can have a life that you so desire. In verse 21, it says, Jesus went out from there, departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan. Everyone say Canaan. A woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now, how many people know that it's a good thing to pray. How many people know that it's, uh, it's an honorable thing? In fact, that it's a, a desire, almost a requirement that God has for somebody that wants to uh, be pleasing to God is to have a prayer life. So this woman is praying. So she comes from that region and she, she's praying. Now, how many people know that, that this woman right now, she, she's praying, but she's not even praying for herself. She's praying for somebody else. She's interceding. Now, how many people know that, you know, it's good to get beyond where you just have your shopping list prayer where it's all about you. Oh, Lord, please give me a brand new car, a home on the water, and a boat. And Lord, let our boat be bigger than our neighbor's. I mean, you know, there, there are all sorts of prayers, you know, that are kind of self-centered, introspective prayers. But how many people know that, that you know, what really pleases God is, is when, we, when we're not just praying for ourselves, but we're also, you know, moving into that place where we're actually interceding, we're praying for the needs of somebody else. So she's praying, she's praying for somebody else. Now, how many people know that God loves the family? Come on, somebody. God loves the family. The devil hates the family. He wants to destroy the family. So he gets in, in politicians' minds whose hearts aren't connected with God and gets them to think all weird and wonderful things about somehow being contemporary or being relevant or being politically correct or being you know, gender equality, all this kind of stuff. And, and then we find that we start making uh, laws and legislations in parliament that hurt the family, don't help the family. But we know this, that God loves the family unit. God loves the family and so here's a mother praying for her daughter how many people know it's a fantastic thing for mothers to pray for their daughters you know for parents to pray for their kids so here's this woman she's praying she's not praying for herself she's praying for her daughter and uh, you know and, and she's you know it's a mother praying for the daughter this is fantastic and the fourth thing that I love about this woman is uh, is you know how many people know that that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil and so she's praying for her daughter who's severely demon-possessed. Now, how many people know that right there, 
that's going to get God's attention. I mean, how many people know that, that, uh, you know, that God loves innocent children, but we know that Satan wants to come and destroy. He wants to destroy innocence. He wants to rob young people of their innocence. He wants to rob them of their youth. He wants to destroy their life. And here is a, a demon possessing, severely demonized this girl. I mean, how many people know that right there, this woman crying, I mean, this is, this is, this should get Jesus' attention. But you have a look at the next verse. It says, but Jesus answered her, not a word. In other words, Jesus completely ignores this woman. Mm-hmm. See, here's this woman. She's, she's praying. She's not praying for herself. She's doing what a responsible parent should do. She's praying for her daughter. And her daughter is severely demon-possessed. And the Bible says, but Jesus answers her not a word. Huh. It gets worse. Because the, the second half of that verse says, And his disciples came to him saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. In other words, Jesus is ignoring her and the church is saying, Oh, God, send her away. How many people know this is a bad hair day? This is not a good day. I remember when I first got saved, the guy that led me to the Lord was, was only a new Christian himself and what he couldn't figure out was why Christians pray for the same thing over and over and over again. He said, you know, I don't understand that. He says, God's not deaf and God's not dumb. It's not like he forgets when you pray. You should only have to pray once. And, you know, and then, well, why do you have to pray over and over? And I remember, you know, to, to the natural mind, it's like, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And then I remember reading in the Bible where it says that God knows what you're going to ask for before you even pray it. So it's kind of like you don't even need to pray because he already knows. So you can just say, God, I was going to pray for, for two hours today, but you already know everything. I was going to put me down for three. That made me look a little more spiritual. And, and, and you know everything and just get on to it. And, you know, and, and, but, you know, the Bible teaches in Luke chapter 18, Jesus, the parable of the persistent widow, says that we need to be like this woman where there was a judge who cared not for, had no regard for man, no regard for people, didn't care about justice anymore. And she comes every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, over and over and over and over and over and over till finally the judge says, my gosh, unless she wear me out by her continual coming, I'll give her justice. And Jesus says, likewise, you know, pray and don't lose heart, but keep praying. See, I'll tell you why. Because if there was only you on earth and God in heaven, you would only have to pray once. In fact, you wouldn't even need to pray. When Adam was in the Garden of Eden, God looked down from heaven and saw that it's not good for man to be alone. Adam hadn't even cried out to God, hadn't even asked for a help, but the Lord just, just got straight on prepared. But you and I right now live in a fallen world. We live in a messed up world. And you are on earth and God is in heaven. But in between you on earth and God in heaven, there is a spiritual realm. There, is a, there are a, a, a spiritual hosts of wickedness, principalities and powers who resist prayer and there's resistance sometimes when you pray it can seem like heaven is silent sometimes when you pray it can seem like there is a resistance what do you do in that case what do you do in this situation here is a woman crying out for her daughter who is severely demon possessed and heaven is silent and the church is is ignorant and the, the church is is uncaring of what's going on what do you do in that situation? What I like about this woman, number one, is she refuses to be ignored. She refuses to be ignored. See, there's God in heaven, you on earth, but in between there's principalities and powers. In Daniel chapter 10, there's a fantastic story where Daniel starts praying and nothing happens. And so he goes into a fast and he starts praying and fasting. And the Bible says on the, at the end of three weeks, on the 21st day, Gabriel turns up. And Gabriel says to him, Oh, Daniel, greatly beloved, 
He says, I want you to know that on the very first day, everyone say first day. He says, on the very first day that you humbled yourself to pray, your prayer was heard in heaven and I was sent in answer to that prayer. However, everyone say, however. Say it strong. Say, however. However, he says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. He says, but Daniel, because you didn't quit, because you didn't give up, because you didn't stop, because you refused to be ignored, because you kept praying, he says, Michael, the protector of your people, the great archangel, was loose from heaven. He grabbed that principality. I mean, it got violent. I'm not sure exactly what happened, but I'm telling you, all I know is that principality got a serving to, and Gabriel was able to get through and bring an answer. There's war in the heavenlies. There are principalities and powers. This woman refused refuses to be ignored there are times when you pray where it seems like heaven is silent i wonder how many people thought well god's not listening god's uncaring therefore i'll quit i won't bother i'll just pray maybe it's not god's way and they just quit i wonder how many miracles have been aborted i wonder how many breakthroughs were right on the right on the edge just about to break through but we retracted because we were discouraged See, there's always resistance to your prayers. There is a devil who hinders. There is a devil who resists. Now, just because there's resistance doesn't mean that you quit. Because the best things in life are worth fighting for. What I like about this woman is for the resistance, she clothed herself with persistence. She refused to be ignored. So when Jesus was silent, she came to the disciples. She came to the disciples. She kept crying out until something happened. Now have a look at the next verse. If I can find my Bible. Verse 24. But Jesus answered and said to her, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's nice and quiet in here this morning. So here's this woman. She, she's crying and now Jesus is speaking to her. So she's broken through the first barrier. First barrier is you've got to refuse to be ignored. Second barrier. Jesus says to her, it's not good. Have a look at it. I was not sent, sorry, except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, he's saying to her, sweetheart, you're a Canaanite woman. I was not sent to the Canaanites. I was not sent to the Gentiles. I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Are you an Israelite? No, you're not. I was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Israel has a covenant with God. Israel has an Abrahamic covenant with God. And in that covenant, there's provision, there's protection, there's prosperity, there's blessing, there's healing, and there's deliverance. But this woman is a Canaanite. She's outside of that covenant. There is no provision for her. There's no blessing for her. There's no prosperity for her. There's no deliverance for her. Jesus makes it clear right there and then to this woman. He says to her, literally, sweetheart, it ain't my will. How many people have given up on miracles, on breakthroughs, on sons and daughters coming home, or for whatever reason, thinking, believing, well, maybe it's not God's will. Jesus tells this woman plainly, ain't my will, sweetheart. But you know what I like about this woman? Number two, she refuses to be left out. Now, I'm telling you, it's about to get powerful in this place preaching the Bible this morning. Someone's going to catch something right now. I'm telling you, your life will never be the same again. This woman refuses to be left out. See, Jesus says to her, it ain't my will. I was not sent except. There's an exception. There's an exclusivity. 
only people I was sent to, focused upon. Lashiva, house of Israel, you're outside of that. But have a look at what the next verse says this woman does. It says, then she came and... Come on, somebody. Then she came and say it strong. Then she came and worshipped. Hmm. Interesting response. Then she came and worshipped. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something about worship. Your God, our God in heaven, though he's depicted as a judge, is actually a God who is a being with feelings and emotions. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, when Lord, the Lord looked down from heaven and saw the wickedness that was on the earth and how violence had filled the earth, he was grieved in his heart and he regretted that he had made man and the Lord felt pain in his heart and said I will destroy man whom I have created but Noah found grace and you need to understand something about God God has a heart he is a caring God and listen to me this morning worship woos the heart of God there's something about worship worship is not a ritual that we go through in church worship is the romance of this relationship that we have with our God of heaven. Worship is singing love songs. Worship is connecting with God. I want you to know that when you worship, you draw His presence. When you worship, you woo His heart. I love the story of Job. The story of Job in the Bible is basically there's a bet in heaven. Satan kind of sneaks into heaven and God says, what are you doing here? He says, I've been on the earth. He says, the earth. Oh, I love the earth. Favorite planet. He says, have, have you noticed uh, my servant Job? There's nobody like him. Fears God, shuns evil. Great guy. And the devil says this. He says, ah, the only reason that Job worships you is because you bless the work of his hands. If you didn't bless him, he wouldn't worship you. And God says, mate, you got it, got it round the wrong way. He says, the reason I bless him is because he worships me. And the devil says, what a lot of nonsense. No, 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 it's the other way around, God. He, you bless him, and so he worships you. You take away the blessing, he'll stop worshiping you. And God says, man, you're, you're a fathead. You got it wrong. Because he worships me, I bless him. And the devil says, well, let's have a bet on it. I bet you if I take away all his goodness, he'll surely curse you to your face. God says, all right, you can do it. So in one day, Satan comes and wipes out everything. Everyone say everything. I'm not sure what, what, what you'd be like. And if you lost everything, he lost his home, he lost his business, he lost his cars, he lost his family, he lost everything. He lost everything in one day. What a horrific day. But the end of chapter 1, we find Job, his response to losing everything, the Bible says he falls on his knees, puts on sackcloth and ashes and worships. But Satan being the arrogant schmuck that he is, comes boring straight back into the presence of God and says, an eye for an eye. And God says, huh? You're wrong. Told you. He says, an eye for an eye. He says, listen. He says, that's what human beings are like. He says, unless it happens to them personally. Unless you let me put some pain on him personally. He says, you know, they'll be watching the news and, and they'll see a tsunami that, that wipes out, you know, Band Asia and, and Thailand. And they'll say, oh, oh, that's so bad. Oh, the loss of life. I wonder what time the rugby star. He said, that's just what they're like. He says, but if you let me touch his person, if you let me put some pain on his person, if you let me make him personally suffer with, with pain in his personal body, he'll surely curse you to your face. And God says to him, all right, you can do that. 
He says, but you can't take his life. And Satan says, I wasn't thinking of taking his life. I was just thinking of torment and torture. So the bet goes to double or nothing. And Satan comes down. And he hits Job with sickness after sickness after sickness so that his body is so debilitated that, that his immune system so shut down it can't fight off disease and, and, and his body begins to break out in boils. Boils are, are, are when, when your, your, your body has all sorts of toxins and all sorts of stuff that's just got to get out and so it begins to come out through that. And the Bible finds him with, with a piece of broken pottery sitting in a pile of ashes scraping the boils from his skin because he's in such excruciating pain. Then his wife comes over to him and she says to him, Job, why do you hold fast to your integrity? In other words, why do you keep this devotion to God up? It's obvious he's let you down. It's obvious the same devotion you have to him is not being reciprocated back to you. Why don't you just curse God and die? Interesting advice. Then he has these three friends. Friends. That come and give him the most morbid, pathetic advice you've ever heard in your life. Saying that there's something wrong with him, there's something he's done, there's, you know, all this, all this nonsense. And I can just imagine Satan standing there. And as Job's wife, you know, Mrs. Job says, Job, just curse God and die. I can imagine the devil clapping, going, good preaching, Mrs. Job. Amen. Job, listen to your wife. Which is another message I'm not going to get into today. Just remember Eve. But I love Job. Once his three friends are finished, Mrs. Job's finished. Satan's standing there leaning forward, waiting for Job to curse God and die. Job 13, 15. Out of Job's mouth comes these words. Even if he slays me, yet shall I trust him. Even if he slays me, Yet shall I serve him. Do you know there are 42 chapters in the book of Job. You never see Satan rear his ugly head in any other page in the book of Job. Because Satan can't stand against the man or woman that will worship the almighty God. Come hell or high water. No matter what's going on. No matter what's happening. Whether they're on the mountain or in the valley. They will worship God. Because he alone is worthy of worship. He is still God. Jesus says, it's not my will. I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You're on the outside of that. But she comes and worships. Some of us will worship God when he performs. Some of us will worship God when he brings a breakthrough. When he does a miracle. When, when our kids get saved or, or when something good happens. This woman has no breakthrough. She has no miracle. Her daughter is demon-possessed. Jesus says, it's not my will. So she worships. Worship and praise precede breakthrough. They never come on the other side. They, they precede it. See, Jesus says, you're on the outside. It's true by birth she was on the outside. It's true by nature, she was a Canaanite woman, separated from the covenants of God by her birth. But she couldn't change her past. She couldn't go back and be born to a Jewish woman. She had no control over how she arrived here. But what she did have control over is how she lives here. And she begins to worship, saying to Jesus Christ, That's true. I may have been born outside of the covenant. I may have been born a Canaanite woman. But you can't tell me I have to live like one. I can live worshiping the Almighty God. I can live like I'm on the inside. 
God is looking for a people that worship in spirit and in truth. And he is one of them. I may be a Canaanite by birth, but I refuse to live like a Canaanite. I'm living like somebody. She begins to worship. You need to understand worship woos the heart of God. Leanne and I, if we have an argument, and because we're both strong, there's times where my wife and I will, will argue, and there's times, you know, I don't know why it always happens, Joy, but on the way to church, on the way to church, we have, have some of our best arguments. And uh, it's just, I don't know why it happens, it just does. And there's been times I've been so angry, that's it! What? But you know, if I come home, and I'm like really angry. And if I come home and I open the front door, I can, can I still, you know, be all angry. But if I open that front door and there she is, standing in a beautiful red dress, <laughs> hair done. I could even walk through that door angry still. But if she starts singing, Cause I'm your lady, and you are my man. Whenever you reach for me, I'm going to do... I mean, how many people know right there and then it would be really hard to stay angry? Now, how many people also know that that has actually never happened? How many people know that it probably never will? I can desire. It is a fantasy. You're right. It's a, it's a Bud Light fantasy. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Everyone say worship. Worship woos the heart of God. Worship woos the heart of God. Worship says, God, I refuse to live on the outside. The Bible says we enter his courts with praise. The way that we enter, Jesus says, you're on the outside. She says, not for long. And she begins to worship. See, number one, she refuses to be ignored. But number two, she refuses to be left out. Somebody say this is good. All right, number three, last point. Does anybody get anything out of this? Verse 26. But he answered and said to her, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. I mean, my goodness. Talk about a slap in the face. After all that she's just come through, She's refused to be ignored. She's refused to be left out. And now he calls her a little dog. Now I've heard all sorts of ministers and theologians try and, you know, help Jesus here. And they say, you know, in some cultures, you know, that's a compliment or something like that. Listen, it doesn't matter which culture you visit on the planet, calling somebody a dog... It's not a compliment. Hello, love. You look like a nice little Labrador. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter what country you visit. India, China, Africa, Venezuela, South America. It doesn't matter where you go. You call someone a dog, you're going to get punched. Now, Jesus is saying to this woman, whose daughter is demon-possessed, it is not good to take the children's bread and toss it to little dogs. Now, I don't know about you, but right there, 99.9% of people would have said, you know what, you can just keep it. She could have gone down to the hairdressing salon the next day, sat there, you know, with one of those spacecraft things on her head, you know, with all the curlers in there. Sitting there reading, no idea, new idea, new idea. <laughs> she could have been sitting with Ethel and Deirdre. Deirdre could have said, hey, Marge, how'd you go with your daughter then? Oh, Deirdre, not going to believe what happened. Didn't you go and see that Jesus fellow? Oh, you're not going to believe what happened. What happened? Go on, tell us. Go on. Well, you're not going to believe it. I was crying out for him. You know, my little daughter, she's all like demon-possessed and stuff. 
And they're like, oh, yes, oh, she's all like contorted, isn't she? Has she still got those cross eyes? Oh, yeah, it's still, it's still bad. Well, what happened? Didn't you go and see that Jesus fella? Oh, I did, but you know, he completely ignored me. He what? He completely ignored me. Oh, I think he's all arrogant. All that walking on water's gone to his head, hasn't it? <laughs> oh, that's nothing. After he completely ignored me, you know what he did? What did he do? He got all racist. What do you mean, all racist? Well, he said, because I wasn't a Jew, oh, I wasn't good enough for the blessing of God. Oh, I don't believe it. He's got like one of those Messiah complex, like he's better than everyone else, doesn't he? Oh, it got even worse, Deirdre. What do you mean it got worse, Marge? It got even worse. You know, he called me. He called me a little dog. He what? He called me a little daisy. It's not good to take the children's bed and toss it to little day. He called me a little dog. Oh, no wonder Ethel over here is a Buddhist. I can't believe it. I mean, that could have happened. No one would have blamed her. Channel 1, 2 and 3 News would have picked up the story. Should have been on... Uh, Current affair, you know, Messiah, water walker, yeah, does he really care? It's all about the money or something. Discrimination, Jesus is a discriminant God, you know, don't worship him, you know. Some Here is a woman crying out for her daughter and Jesus said, it's not good to take the children's bread and toss it to little dogs. She's refused to be ignored. She's refused to be left out. But what I like about this woman, point number three, is she refuses to be offended. She refuses to be offended. Let me tell you something. I've been a Christian for 19 years. In 19 years of church life, I've seen people come into the house of God and tragically I've seen people leave the house of God. I've seen people get offended over the smallest things, over the stupidest things, over the silliest of things. They get offended and they leave church. But you know what? In 19 years, I've yet to meet one of those people that got offended and left and find that their life improved. In every single case, their life got worse. Have a look at this woman's response. He said, it's not good to take the children's bread and toss it to the little dogs. And she responds and replies and says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. In other words, she's saying, you may refer to me as a little dog. It may be offensive, but I refuse to be offended. You may call me a little dog, but I'll still call you my master. It's not good to take the children's bread and toss it to little dogs. She says, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs still eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. What she's saying is this. You don't have to give me an entire loaf of bread. I'm not asking for bread. But I've been a physician. I've been a psychiatrist. I've been a psychologist. I've been to one institution of the world after another. And nobody can help my daughter. But what I understand is I, if I refuse to be ignored, if I refuse to be out. And if I refuse to be offended, one crumb which falls from my master's table has enough power in it to deliver my daughter and release her. And I'll gladly call you my master for one crumb that falls from my master's table. I want you to know in one encounter with God, one word from heaven has enough power power to transform your life for all eternity she refused to be ignored she refused to be left out 
She refused to be offended. Now have a look at Jesus' response. It's magnificent. Look at it. Then Jesus says to her, Oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Now watch this. When blind Bartimaeus cried out on the side of the road, Jesus, son of David, Jesus calls him and says, Go your way, your faith has made you whole. When the woman pressed through the crowd, touched the hem of Jesus' garment, he says, Who touched me? The woman came trembling, explaining what had happened. Jesus' daughter, go your way, your faith has made you whole. But here Jesus says something completely different. He could have said to her, oh, daughter, your faith has made you whole. But he says something different. He says, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Let it be to you as you desire. In other words, sweetheart, there's nothing that you desire that won't come to you. Because you're a woman that refuses to be ignored. You're a woman that refuses to be left out. And you're a woman that refuses to be offended. Sweetheart, anything and everything that you desire in your lifetime because of those qualities will come to pass in your life. Now listen to me. I've seen people get offended and leave church. And maybe, let's imagine, maybe it's true. Maybe you can get offended. And maybe you can be a Christian at home. Maybe, maybe you can just get together with other people who are offended and, and you can have your own service because where two or more are gathered, there's Christ in the midst and, and that's really church and you know, so whatever. Let's imagine you can do that. You, let's imagine you don't need to go to church to be a Christian. This woman could have got offended and left. But you know who pays the price for your offense? Kids. The next generation always pays the price. If she would have got offended, her daughter would have been destroyed by the devil. And I've seen one after another, after another, after another, after another family where the parents got offended. And they may still have their Christianity, although it's not a strong Christianity, but they may still be going to heaven. But you see the kids grow up without church, without a reverence for the house of God. And you see them go off the rails. And one after another, I've seen them get messed up. But Jesus says to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. I'm going to tell you, church, If you've been offended, let it go. If you know somebody who's been offended in church, get this tape, get this CD, whatever it's on, give it to them. Give it to them and say, man, you need to hear this message. If not for your sake, for your kids. Come back to the house of God. I've got to tell you, I've been in church 19 years. There's been 101 or more reasons that I could have got offended and left. I can remember a situation where there was a Jezebel spirit in the church trying to destroy my wife. Now, I don't mind. I can, you know, let the de- bring it on if the devil wants to have a go at me. But my wife? That's a little bit below the belt. And this Jezebel spirit was trying to destroy my wife. And I remember this one particular Sunday walking into church, just saying to God, God, look at them. Look at them. They don't deserve my loyalty. They don't deserve my faithfulness. And all of a sudden, Jesus spoke to me. And he said, I'm not asking you to be loyal because they deserve it. And then I saw a picture of Christ on the cross. His face bloodied, a mess, bleeding. I saw him suffering, hanging on the cross, his muscles twitching, body shaking as he was crucified on the cross. He said, I'm not asking you to be loyal to them because they deserve it. I'm asking you to be loyal to them because I deserve it. (laughs) 
And I can remember it was the middle of the, the praise. I slipped out of my row. I came down the front and I knelt in front of the stage and had my own altar call. And I said, Jesus, forgive me. I said, if this is the church that you've called me to, if they beat me with sticks, if they hit me with whips and rods when I walk in, if this is where you called me, God, forgive me. I'll suffer gladly if this is where you called me. That day we had a preacher from the United States of America there, just passing through just that one session. When he got up to preach, he doesn't normally prophesy. He says, I don't normally do this, but that young man that, that knelt out the front, would you come here? I remember coming out, and then he said these words. He says, the Lord spoke to me. The Lord is going to take you from this place. He says, and the Lord is pleased with your faithfulness. He says, and you are going to pastor a move of God that is going to go worldwide. I've got to tell you something. God sees heart. You've got to refuse to be ignored, refuse to be left out, refuse to be offended. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for your Holy Ghost. We thank you for your presence and power in this meeting right now. Father, I'm praying right now, if there, if there be people here this morning who may have been walking with you once, but uh, maybe they got offended. Or maybe there are people here carrying hurts and carrying offense in their heart that you want to deliver and set free. I pray, Father, that's what happens this morning. But you know what, if there are people here this morning and maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, or if you're here this morning and maybe you once gave your life to Jesus, but something happened because it kind of looks like you took your life back. You're not walking in His ways, you're walking in your ways, friend. You need to give your life back. Maybe there are people here this morning and you're just far from God. Life's too short to live far from God. So if you're here this morning, you need to come back to God. Do that this morning. So if you're one of those three categories of people this morning, you've never given your life to Christ or you once did it and you took your life back or you're here this morning and you're just far from God and you don't want to be far from God, would you just quickly lift your hand and say, Jürgen, that's me. Who are those ones this morning? Would you just lift your hand and say, Jürgen, that's me. Thank you, champ. Who else is there? Thank you up there, sweetheart. Who else is there? Thank you up the back, champion. Who else is there? Quickly, would you just lift your hand and say, Jürgen, that's me. Once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. Is there anybody else this morning? Quickly, would you just lift your hand? Let me pray for you. I'd love to pray for you this morning. Is there anybody else this morning? You need to come back to Christ. You need to draw near to Christ. Or you need to come to Christ. If you're here this morning and that's you, would you lift your hand? How do you know if it's you? It's really simple, friend. As you're sitting there in your seat, there's an argument happening between your head and your heart. Your heart is saying, lift your hand and respond. But your head is making all kinds of excuses. Friend, this morning, listen to your heart. Who are those ones this morning? Thank you, sweetie. Who else is there? Is there anybody else? Anybody else? Quickly, I'd love to pray for you this morning. Fantastic. In just a moment, I'm going to invite those people that lifted their hands to come, and I'm going to pray with them. But you know what I just sense in the Holy Ghost? I just sense there's a number of people here this morning. You felt that message was for you. Maybe, maybe you felt like you were praying, but God wasn't listening, and so you gave up. Maybe you, there are people here, and you've got kids or family members that are unsaved. And you kept praying, and because you didn't see results, because you didn't see anything visible happening, you perceived that as Jesus was ignorant of what was going on and therefore disinterested. But I want you to know that Jesus is interested. He's not ignorant. If that's you this morning, and you just need to make a fresh commitment to pray once again for family or loved ones or for a particular issue or a need in your life, would you just quickly stand to your feet where you are? Maybe there are people here, and maybe you've quit on things because you thought, well, maybe it's not God's will. Maybe it's not God's will. I've got to tell you something. What I like about this woman was Jesus said, it's not my will. But she went about 
making it God's will. She began to worship God, poured her heart out to God. Maybe that disappointment has come in. You know, that's the word I'm getting right now, disappointment. The disappointment always shuts down your worship. It shuts down your praise. This woman, when she got the disappointing news that it wasn't God's will, came and worshipped. See, Joshua had to praise and shout to the Lord before the walls came down. There are times where God will see how you respond in bad news. There are people here with disappointment. And it shut down your praise. It shut down your worship. Would you also quickly just stand right now? Let me pray. And if there are people under the sound of my voice right now, and you've gotten offended, maybe it's something that they did. You know, listen to me. Churches are run by people. People do the best they can. But at the end of the day, they're still people. If you are looking for a perfect church, you'll exhaust an entire lifetime on this earth because there are no perfect people on this planet, including you. Perfection happens when we get to heaven. So right here, understand, churches are run by people and people will make mistakes. They will just make mistakes. But life's too short to carry around an offense, to carry around a bitterness in your heart because it'll get your kids. Who are those ones now? Just quickly stand to your feet, lift your hands to heaven and let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Maybe it's something somebody did. Maybe it's something somebody didn't do. Maybe it's something that somebody said. Somebody's so uncaring. You've carried it. Jesus is here this morning to deliver that thing from you. Because he wants you to live the life where you're not carrying a fence in your heart. You've only got one heart. He doesn't want you to carry offense and bitterness and resentment in your heart. He wants you to carry desires. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I've got to tell you, man, there's a Christianity, there's a life that you can live where you are the envy of the world, the lust around about you. Because it seems like you're always up. It seems like stuff just keeps happening. It seems like good always. It's because it's a heart that's gotten rid of bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. Gotten rid of offense. And it's a heart that is just fertile soil for God to give you desires. Father, I'm praying this morning, Holy Ghost, as you're touching these lives, as you're touching these people, fill them, flood them, flood them with your presence and power right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for a fresh, a fresh vigor to pray again, a fresh passion to pray again, to stand again, to, to, to encourage them, Holy Ghost, to stand and believe God again for that miracle, for that breakthrough, for that deliverance, for that family member to come back to Christ. Father, this morning, Lord God, those who are filled, well, maybe it's not your will and have given up. Father, put it back in them not to give up. And Father, those this morning who are carrying an offense in their heart, Father, right now, as they forgive that person, as they let it go, forgive them. Forgive them and begin to fill their heart with desires. Fill their heart with desires to do great things. Fill their heart with desires to do wonderful things. Father, we ask your blessing over each and every life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a great clap offering right now. You may be seated. Just in closing... Can I pray for those four people? Can I bring them forward? Uh, if you guys that lifted your hands up the back and through there, if you guys could just come and just let me pray for you. Let's put our hands together, church, and uh, let's just pray for these people. Through there, madam, if you would just come. Would you just come and let me pray for you? Thank you.
There was, there was just one more lady back there. I'm not sure if you're still in the meeting. But if, if you would just come, I'd love to pray with you. Just put your hands out towards these beautiful people. Guys, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get you to pray this prayer out loud after me. What you felt when you lifted your hand was you felt the drawing of the Holy Spirit to come back to Him, to come close to Him. So this is what I want you guys to do this morning. I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me and I'm going to get the whole church to pray it out loud with you, to help you. So just close your eyes and open your heart to God. And let's everybody in the building say these words with these wonderful people. Say out loud, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you right now and ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Wash me clean with your precious blood. Deliver me by your mighty power. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross to redeem my life from destruction. I thank you right now. I am saved. I renounce the devil. Heaven is my home. God is my father. And I am his child. And I'm going to follow him all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a great clap offering. Hallelujah. Awesome.